On this edition of the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast, we look back to Utah's win over BYU in the rivalry game, look ahead to the Pac-12 championship game, where the Utes are just 60 minutes away from a trip to the Rose Bowl. They take on Washington Friday at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. We also catch up with former Ute Mike Wright on our Utah by 5 segment. This and more on the Deseret News Youth Insiders Podcast. Hi, this is Greg Rubel, the voice of the BYU Cougars. And for some reason, they've asked me to tell you that you are listening to the Deseret News Utes Insiders Podcast with Dirk Facer, Amy Donaldson, Trent Wood, and Mike Sorensen. Enjoy! Welcome to another edition of the Deseret News Ute Insiders Podcast. I'm Dirk Facer with Trent Wood and Amy Donaldson. Before we get started, just a reminder that professional football is coming to Rice-Eccles Stadium in February with the Salt Lake Stallions. Season tickets as cheap as $75. Call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. Now let's get on to the Utes. Guys was quite a rivalry game. What'd you think, Trent? Yeah, I mean, you can't ask for a more entertaining game than that. Amy, what'd you think? <laughs> That's very that was fun. It was fun writing the game story because I didn't know in the first half if I was going to write a pro Cougars one or a pro Utes one. Actually, that might have been my favorite part of the rivalry game was all the reporters who were trying to write their stories by halftime because it was a late start. Right. And let's be honest, we all do it. And then everybody's midway through the third quarter. Oh, no. Oh, no. That lead I was going for, it's over. But I thought the second most entertaining thing was the Twitter, I hate this team. I love this team. This is amazing. <laughs> Kyle should be fired. Kyle's the greatest. <laughs> it's amazing what one half of football will do. It changed things around completely. Um, Trent, were you surprised Utah got off to another slow start? I mean, I, I researched it. Utah's come from behind in eight of their nine wins this year, but it's been a recurring theme, and they keep talking about fixing it. You think they'd fix it for the rivalry game and not fall into a 20 nothing hole? I mean, but you just you just explained it right there. They, that's what they do. I don't know how you can be surprised when this is clearly what this team does, is they don't start games well. I don't know why. Kyle talked about how he doesn't know why, but clearly this is who they are. Amy, you have a reason why you think the Utes get off to slow starts? Well, the reason that was given to me by a couple players is that they may have been a little bit too lax about it. I think they looked at uh, who BYU has not beaten <laughs> and all the predictions. And I think they were our predictions were really lopsided as well. And they just, uh, BYU came out. That's the thing about emotion. So much of de- defense is emotion, and they right. really just shut the youth run game down. And, uh, and their linemen outplayed them. You know, for three yeah. quarters, really. Well, I think that was the surprising part to me was, you know, on the line, BYU was pushing those guys around. And I think Kyle talked about that after the Arizona State game, that the offensive line was getting pushed around and the defensive line wasn't able to penetrate like they normally do. Trent, why do you think that was? I mean, with those positions especially, it's like Amy talked about. It's a lot of emotion. It's just really physical. And sometimes I'm sure the players just aren't into it. And at the beginning of games, that happens. I mean, the offensive line this year has had games where they've been really, really good. And then they've had games they've been really, really bad. And I think it's just human nature. They probably had a letdown. I have one word for you. Corbin Kafusi. Or one name. Corbin Kafusi. That's two. But yeah. He goes down and and the youth's comeback begins in earnest. Well, he's an NFL guy and he's huge. He absolutely is. But he's playing hurt. He, I mean, the guy had a a torn tricep, a partial torn tricep, uh, ankle injury, I believe, and a broken finger, right? And he's playing. And he's a dominating force. I just thought when he went down, that's when I thought things started to shift for for good in Utah's favor. Because like Kyle said, the interception was great, but then they stalled out. BYU scored after that. And
And it wasn't until like minute left in the third quarter. And guess who wasn't in the game? Well, speaking of broken finger, what about Julian Blackman having Dr. Cody Barton try to fix that finger? I would never, ever let Cody Barton touch me if I'm hurt. No. Nope. <laughs> he would be like, Mr. Miyagi, remember how you, you know, and just, oh, yeah. just give him a... Just he would be grinning the entire time. It would oh, be yeah. terrifying. You're if good. You get, you're good. There's no blood. <laughs> well, if you get a chance, folks, go to YouTube and watch it. It'll make you squeamish, won't it? Yeah, it definitely will. And great story on uh, the Barton Brothers. Oh, thanks. You got all the good quotes for me, so that helped out. <laughs> you know. uh, Danny, their sister. Uh, great offered, volleyball player. Yeah. yeah, great volleyball player, and she offered some great viewpoints on her brothers that I don't think has been printed before, no. so that was no. nice. It's a good work, Amy. That was that was your doing. Um, let's talk about Jason Shelley in the in the second half of the BYU game. First half, not so good. Second half, pretty darn good. Do you think he just got comfortable, or do you think it was the fact that, like you said, some BYU players were dropping off with injuries and Utah made some adjustments, uh, or was it just Jason Shelley stepping up? I'm going to go with he got better line protection and maybe a little bit more help from his receivers. I think there were some mistakes, and maybe the running backs too. I don't know for sure. Um, um, Like I said, I'm not in there. I don't know what plays were called, but he alluded to people making mistakes in the first half and not knowing or not being in the right place or doing the right thing. So I just feel like we may be putting on him some things that were not his fault. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to take Amy's standard point here of saying the running game improved. And that's when Jason Shelley started playing better. Armand Schein started running better. And so but he, what do you need to have a good running game? You need an offensive game. line to play great. And so they, I think they go hand in hand. The running game improved because the offensive line started playing better. And then Jason Shelley started playing better. Do you think his head was spinning at the start of the game? Because the rivalry game is unlike anything. And I got in a little tw- Twitter battle with a few folks. But the stage of a Utah-BYU game is different than a Utah-Colorado game. There's just so no, much going on. No, he said that. Yeah, he, he did. He, he validated that. He said, this is the biggest game of our season. I mean, he said that. That's Jason Shelley. That's not us putting that on him. No one asked him that question. We just asked him what it was like to play in his first rivalry game. And that was his response. So I think he he sort of validated what we all sort of assumed was that this was going to be an environment. And most of the out-of-state guys come in and they're not really sure. I mean, they think they get it. They think they understand it. They think they're prepared. And then they get in that game. And you just, it's really a feat more like how you feel and you and you can't really right. tell someone what that's like. Well, well you know, and Jason Shelley, sorry to interrupt, no. but I was going to say last year, you know, Jason Shelley was a red shirt, so yeah. he watched it from the sidelines. I think there's even a move crossing that line from being on the sideline to playing. For sure. And I think he referenced that in the postgame interview as well because he talked about how he saw it last year, but it was different to be on the field. And you could see every score, every time he scored or every play he made, you could see the emotion and how much that game meant to him. Just his celebration afterward, you could tell it meant more. Well, before we wrap up, the Utah BYU game. Any other guys that stood out? I mean, I think of Chase Hansen with his 13 tackles. They seem to be all over the field. Um, I think Samson Nakua has proven himself to be a, a, definitely above average. I mean, I think if he continues on this trajectory, some of the catches he's making, uh, he'll be an elite guy. Lucky Foto was terrifying. He late was in the go. game. He was, <laughs> I mean, and he's fast. Yeah. That's the thing that I learned about Lucky. I mean, I kind of knew that from high school, but he's playing against high school kids. Right. But when he blo- he actually was one of the guys blocking for Julian when he got that interception, yeah. and I was like, oh, hello, <laughs> that dude can run. Well, let's jump to the Pac-12 title game preview, Utah 
versus Washington. Uh, Trent and I were talking before the podcast, but this is, historically speaking, the worst draw for Utah. They're 1-11 all-time against Washington. This is just a team, and every time they play Washington, at least since the Pac-12 era, with with few exceptions, the Utes are always saying, boy, that was a game we could have won. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. And I think back to the 21-7 game in September in Salt Lake, Again, you know, that was the game where Pete Tonga had the interception on the 11, and Utah stalled out at the 2, lost on downs. They had a bunch of drops in the game. They had some ejections for targeting. Things just didn't go well. And, it, you know, you could make a case that maybe they could have uh, won the game or made it closer anyway. But, Trent, what do you, what do you think? Does history matter in this situation? Is it all about improving from the September game? I mean, ancient history probably doesn't matter, but Pac-12 history does. And I think the thing about Washington is they beat Utah at Utah's game. That's that's why it's always close. It's, why it's, it's always a hard game, but they seem to have proven that they, so far at least, that they're better at doing what Utah does well. Yeah, and Amy, I kind of look at Washington as a physical version of Arizona State. They have the speed, they have the athletes like Arizona State does, but these guys like to mix it up. They don't mind getting in a, a backyard brawl, so to speak, on the line, and they like to get real physical. No, and their defensive line coaches had some success there getting some Utah kids to go up there and play. Right. Um, so he's of the same kind of, you know, cut from the same cloth, I would say, um, as a guy like Lewis Powell is. So he's obviously instilling that in them. And, you know, you have statistically uh, two of the best defenses in the, in the conference, number one and number two. Right, so, which I don't think has ever happened in the Pac-12 championship game. And is that hard to sell tickets and gain interest? Uh, everybody likes a shootout, don't they? I'm going to disagree with everybody likes a shootout, but a lot of people do. I would watch a defensive game. I think it's a beautiful football. Keeps the clock running. It does, and it's just I think it's more impressive when people score on great defenses than when they score on defenses that just stand there. But that's just me. Well, let's break down the Huskies a little bit. Obviously, running back Miles Gaskin is a guy that they need to watch out for. The first guy in the history of the Pac-12 to have four consecutive 1,000-yard rushing seasons. And i got to cheat here. I know he had uh, a good game against the Utes uh, earlier this year. And he played great in the Apple Cup. Yeah, I mean, I I know he had over 100 yards against the Utes. And that was in the snow and, you know. Sleet or whatever that and then yeah, was. but Wazoo. So I mean, is is it all about stopping Miles Gaskin or is Washington more than that? I mean, they're more than that, and I know he rushed for a hundred something yards, but Utah made him do it on I think thirty three carries when they yeah. played before. So it's not like he dominated the game. But I I think they're like you said they beat Utah doing what Utah does. Yeah. They do the same thing. Their run game is critical to their pass game, yeah. right? But they have a great quarterback, they have great receivers, and they can do both. Amy, they got a local guy uh, catching passes for them, don't they? Yeah, Ty Jones. He's uh, he's and he's made some you know phenomenal uh, looking you know highlight reel type catches. So Ty Jones from Provo High, um, he's he's having a great season for them. And then they have like I said two linemen, one from Alta, one from East High. Um, I think both those guys are going to end up redshirting because now you can redshirt with a rule change. You can play in four games and still redshirt. Right. And uh, MJ Tafisi from Alta will be, this is his, he's played in three games. This would be number four. And then uh, Sam, uh, he changed his last name, Tayamani from East. He Good pronunciation. is, huh? he is, uh, <laughs> he's only played in one game. So we can see both of those kids. They love it. The coach loves them. And, and I've heard from a lot of high school coaches, Chris Peterson is one heck of a recruiter. Must be uh, this end from our research desk, uh, Miles Gaskin, 30 carries, 143 yards, okay. and one touchdown in the 21-7 win. So he's obviously done it for four years, so he's obviously a guy to watch. But Utah's strength on the defense 
offense is stopping the run. I mean, how is this guy, even with 30 carries, still able to, to post numbers like that? I mean, he's a great running back. Yeah. Have you seen him? <laughs> Have you seen him? <laughs> No, he's, he's almost I mean, as good as Zach he's, Moss. He's great. No, no, he's like he's. I think he's of the caliber of Zach Moss, yeah. right? He's the same type of back, and I think that's what's that's what's going to be hard. And I think Cody and uh, Chase are going to rack up a lot more tackles. <laughs> you got to hope Marquise Blair avoids another targeting. Yes, yes. and Lecky as well. I think yeah. that was the game he got one. Um, before we move on from the offense, Jake Browning, obviously the yeah. Troy Taylor connection, Folsom High, all that irrelevant at this point. Yeah, I mean Jake Browning been at Washington four years now. He's a different quarterback than Troy Taylor coached. And it would be cool if Troy Taylor would like give him some insight on trash talking, but it probably he's not that kind of guy. So that probably won't happen. <laughs> now Washington uh, jumping to defense, Washington has a great player in uh, Ben Burr I'm not sure if I'm even pronouncing it right. <laughs> ben Burr <laughs> uh, He's obviously one of the top tacklers of the nation. Not, would you and like I, to get his name wrong? He's going to no, tackle you. <laughs> I don't need that guy coming after me. i got enough problems. But obviously, uh, he and Chase Hansen are probably maybe the two premier defensive players in the conference this year. Cody Barton's going to make you eat that. Cody Barton's <laughs> not, not far behind. But, you know, obviously, if you're talking about defensive player of the year in the conference, it's probably between these two guys. And uh, this guy for Washington, Berkurban, obviously, <laughs> is making almost 13 tackles a game. Do they, do you need to be aware of where he's at on the field at all times, or is that overrated too, Trent? I mean, on offense, you kind of just play offense. And then, we just make sure somebody's blocking yeah, that Yeah, you make guy. sure somebody's I mean, boxing. Yeah. I mean, Washington, like we already talked about, they're essentially Utah on defense. Their secondary is great. They have great linebackers on a solid front. So maybe you have Max Dupai come play offensive line a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess that's the question, Amy. Does Utah have the personnel to stop a guy like this who's obviously an NFL talent and obviously putting up big numbers for the Huskies? Yeah, they do. The question is, will it happen? I mean, look at Utah's tight ends could could deal with that kind of yeah. guy if they were if that was their assignment to block that guy. But I mean, it's that's going to be somebody's. You're going to have to rotate a couple guys, I think. Now you know we talk a lot about Washington's offense, but if you look at their defense, they lead the Pac-12 in scoring defense, giving up just 16.5 points per game. Uh, this is a defensive team, isn't it? More but Utah has more team? takeaways. Utah has more takeaways than they do. A little Fumbles tip in. for that. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, you're trading different things, yeah. right? So are they better at like containment? But Utah's better at creating some turnovers. Well, so. if you if you look across the board, though, Amy, rushing defense, passing defense, pass efficiency defense, the Huskies are second in the Pac-12 in all those categories. Total defense, they're giving up 311 yards a game, which is first, uh, you know, the best yeah. in the Pac-12. Best. And their scoring defense is, I mean, they're first or second in almost every major category. And uh, the question is, Utah with a new Who's quarterback. Who's the sack leader, and though? New, Bradley and I. There you go. <laughs> but you got, you know, you got this offense with new quarterback, basically. I know he's three games in now, and... And a running back, is it a recipe for disaster? Or can Utah, the new, the second string, move up and, and put some headway on these guys? I will say this. If they start like they did against BYU, it's going to be ugly. There won't be – there won't be and, – and and because I do think the injuries took a toll on BYU with Kafusi and, and Hadley going out, their running back went out as well. I think if you cannot wait for fate to intervene. They have to play from the opening kickoff. In Utah's favor, though, when they played Washington, they were abysmal offensively. That was in the yeah. stretch when they were horrible offensively. Troy Taylor hadn't figured out how to right. call the right plays for the right players. Well, Kyle even talked about on Monday. from that, inside the 10 yeah. or the 5 or the 2 for that matter. Yeah. But he's clearly evolved as an offensive coordinator. The team has clearly gotten better on offense, and so it'll be interesting to see how much that improvement will be able to actually move the ball against Washington. And my prediction is you're going to see some 
trick plays. Chris they have, has they, they were going to try Chris one at BYU. Some, and I think Utah has some. Yeah. And I think you're going to see both teams. Britton Covey will throw yeah. the ball again. Britton Covey will throw the ball. I, I mean, I, I think you'll see a few little wrinkles here and there. Now, let's not forget that game in Salt Lake. Britton Covey got bent around like a pretzel by Washington's oh. defense. Can he, is that going to be a psychological thing? Do you think Britton Covey's going to think twice every time he's out in the open field that they're going to squash him like they did last game? I mean, he's a tough kid and he bounced back, but that Washington defense really took a toll on his body that day. He was the only target Utah had, though, in that game, and they seem to have evolved where, I mean, Jason Shelley targets the tight ends, Jalen Dixon, Solomon Enos. He, Britton Covey hasn't been as big a role in the offense, so I don't know if he's going to be as destroyed as he was. Do you think he's pro- more protected, Amy? I think that have, if you've met him, that's not going to be a mental issue for him. Right. He yeah. might have the best, like, sort of mental toughness oh, he loves of it. any player. I think he I mean, loves and, and I think even Kyle said that. Like, he doesn't know that he's had – I mean, if, if Chase is your, you know, sort of toughest – you know, defensive player you've ever coached. I think Britton Covey is smart and tough uh, when it comes to offensive football. And I, th- I don't. I think he is whatever you have to do to leave that behind you. He's not gonna be thinking about any of that. All right, guys. Let's just jump ahead. What are a couple things the Utes need to do to beat the Huskies, Trent? I mean, I think it's it's real simple. And Amy's gonna love all of these. <laughs> they have to be able to run the ball. I think, like she talked about, their ability to cause turnovers is gonna be huge in this game. I don't know if they can stop Washington every time, but if they can cause them to turn the ball over. That'll be huge. And I think their defensive line, they have to control the defensive line. Amy, what do you think? I do like all of those. <laughs> but I will go I with thought some... you'd just say ditto and move on. <laughs> oh, I was going to jokingly say, score more points. But <laughs> but I will say that I think one big difference maker for Utah, could, where they have a huge advantage, could be special teams. So uh, all those things, I would echo all those. As but... long as they don't get their field goals blocked. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's I, but I I think special teams is where they have the ability to do some of those you know trick trick or you know things that people are not expecting. So I I would say if their special team game is uh, is up to par like it normally is, then that might be a difference maker. Yeah, and I'm gonna throw a quick start in there too. Like you said, we we alluded to that earlier, but they get off to a BYU type start. Uh, they're in trouble against the Huskies because the Huskies uh, don't give up uh, 35 points at the end of a game. Or 28 without responding. Yeah. 28 straight. So that would be a big factor. Uh, Jason Shelley obviously has to play well. Uh, Chase Hansen has to play well. Cody Barton has to play well. Utah's no, defense I think Jason be- Shelley can play mediocre. They can still win. Do you think so? I do. Well, I- you know who has to play well? Armand Schein. Armand Schein. And T.J. Green because mm-hmm. he's played great lately. T.J. Green has been really good. I, I got a chance to talk to him, and I, I think that's he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think you make a good point there, but I also think Utah's receiving core needs to step up, too. This is a game where when Shelley's in trouble and he throws it, they've got to win the 50-50 balls and get some first downs because I don't know if they're going to be able to run well, the ball all that Some of those weren't 50-50. They were, like, out to the stands. Yeah, 90-10. <laughs> but, yeah, they got to win them. they got to win them. Um, anything else, guys, Superman. you see about this game Friday that, that's just looms large. How about the fact that uh, is there any any merit to a notion that Utah's just happy to be there and that maybe being 60 minutes away from the Rose Bowl is something that could freeze them up a little bit? I mean, when you talk to the players in Whittingham, I mean, that does not seem to be the idea. Like, well, I would say that if Whittingham has a strength that's overlooked by other people, it is getting a team ready for a bowl, for a yeah. one-off for a one-time game. So that's a bowl game or something like this. He's he's a, a great, like, this is our moment. You know, Sparta, you know, the 300. That's what I envision. I don't know how he does it, but I don't know that he has a rival in that department. Oh, well, we'll find Maybe out. Maybe Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, maybe one of his mentors or help 
help guys that help them along the way. I'm going to tell him you said that. Guys that help them along the way. How's that? <laughs> hey, again, I don't need more people coming after me. <laughs> I want Kyle to beat up Dirk. <laughs> uh, before we jump into predictions, I just want to remind folks again that professional football is coming to Rice-Eccles Stadium this February in the form of the Salt Lake Stallions. They just you signed get- a new quarterback. Yeah, yeah, they got a quarterback. Uh, it's going to be exciting. Dennis De- Erickson, I, I, coach I, I don't know. I got to get over and talk to Dennis Erickson. We need to hear from him on this podcast. And how about those uniforms, huh? Oh yeah, they did unveil the uniforms. They yesterday, weren't red, fans, but well, they're not. But they're they're slick. They're nice, so it's going to be fun. And you're going to go, aren't you, Trent? Every game. Sit in the bleachers. Of course, every Metal single bleachers game. in February. But He's the new beat writer. I don't know if you knew this. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. Oh, well, season tickets are 75 bucks. Call 1-833-AAF-2019 or go to saltlakestallions.com. All right, prediction time. I gave you a few extra minutes to think about it, guys. Utes and Huskies. This one's tough. Uh, it would be nice to see Utah advance to the Rose Bowl. I wouldn't mind chilling uh, down there for a couple days before the game, but uh, I just have a feeling there's something about Washington that they can't get over, and the fact that they've got a senior quarterback, senior running back, guys that have been there before, Ben Burkirvan. <laughs> Guys like that. What are you saying? It sounds the, so pervy, man. <laughs> it does sound weird. It's real <laughs> creepy. But, you know, I just think they've got too many guys. And then Chris Peterson seemingly has, you know, Coach Whittingham's number as far as matching X's nose. That could be a talent issue as far as players more than anything else. Um, just because, you know, Washington's had a little easier time recruiting than, than Utah has over the years as Utah made the jump from the Mountain West Conference to a Power Five Conference. But, you know, it's been eight years now, so maybe things have gone up there. But I'm going to go uh, Washington uh, 23-14, but don't hold it to me because I never said they were beating Utah. I just said Washington. Oh, that was the weakest? <laughs> Own that <laughs> score. Own it. <laughs> Trent, what do you think? Yeah, you got to not be afraid of that. I know everybody wants Utah to win, but I think Washington's the better team. I think they proved it when they played before, and I think they won the tougher division, and they've beaten better teams. I think they win 21-17. I'm, I'm, going, I'm going with a, a several trick plays total, one or two from each team, and some crazy stuff, and I'm going 30-29. For? For Utah. Wow. Yeah. I'm we're not going to pick the same team you guys pick. We're going to hold you to that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, folks. I think they're going to the Rose Bowl. Now it's time for Utah by five. And this week, Amy Donaldson catches up with the great Mike Wright, former Utah football player. And we'll play that for you right now. I'm Tom Barberi, and it's time for Utah by five, where we catch up with the people who built the program we love. We're talking to Mike Wright. Um, first, tell me, we were just talking a little bit about your high school football career. Only one year. Why didn't you play earlier? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, I didn't really have a good answer for Coach Wall when he when he asked me, but I was just uh, growing up, um, but I was always a little bit bigger, and I didn't want to be, uh, I guess, I don't know if they still refer to it as an ex guy where you can't, you're not able to carry the ball because of a, uh, a weight limit, and so I just didn't get into it, you know, during junior high and, you know, and in that time frame, and so when I got into high school, I was just focused on basketball and, and baseball and thought that if I was going to have any opportunity to play collegiate sports that it was going to be in baseball and so that's what I was just focusing on and um and then you had a conversation with coach wall right yeah then going into my senior year um I was taking coach wall's weightlifting class and uh it was just right before the summer right before we were going to you know break for summer he just he just said to me so why don't you play football for me and 
<laughs> Coach Wall is pretty intimidating. He has he's one of those guys that just commands respect when he walks into a room. Yeah, I, I and I looked definitely. and I looked at, and I looked back at him and I just said, Coach, I don't really have a good answer for you. And so he said, All right, well, I'll uh, I'll see you at uh, conditioning uh, this summer. <laughs> and kind of the rest is history from there. Well, and that's the other thing that I thought was interesting. You went to SUU your first year, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, so just playing one year of high school football, probably, you know, wasn't many people's radars, and yeah. um, was fortunate enough to get looked at by Aaron Roderick, mm-hmm. who was uh, off, or he was the offensive coordinator down at Southern Utah at the time, mm-hmm. and he was a former bountiful, bountiful high guy, so he had a really good relationship with Coach Wall. So Coach Wall, you know, you know, made mention to me, and um, and so they they offered me a full ride scholarship out of high school down at SUU, and went down there, and I redshirted. Um, my first year down there and then went and served an LDS mission. And during my time on my mission, both, and then the coaches down there at Southern Utah were Gary Anderson was the head coach. Kalani Sataki was a a tight ends coach or running backs coach. Aaron Roderick was the offensive coordinator. And um, And they all migrated to Utah. (laughs) Yeah. They all migrated, all migrated to the U. And so when I got back from the mission, I I said, Hey, I want to play for you guys. And and they uh, offered me a preferred walk on. Um, status, I, I guess, with yeah. the team and had to, had, to, had to earn a scholarship from there. So I wonder, uh, that preferred walk-on is something I've always wondered. I mean, is that a hard call to make, a hard decision to decide to give up a scholarship in favor of maybe playing in a situation that you think will be good for you eventually? Yeah, I think I think for other players um, coming out of high school now, especially I think I think Utah, Utah high schools are a little bit more on the map now than they were back mm-hmm. when I was playing. There wasn't a lot of kids getting D1 offers um, from Utah high schools when I was playing, it just there wasn't the exposure, um, and it wasn't rightfully so. I mean, there was definitely the talent, mm-hmm. um, and Utah high school football just just wasn't getting noticed. And yeah. so for me, I think in my situation where my my one option was you know go down and play at Southern Utah or walk on at the U, it wasn't a hard decision just because I was so limited and just because of you know who I you know my my journey into college football was much different than, than most. Yeah. But I think for kids that might might have, you know, scholarship offers at other D1 schools or to be a preferred walk-on at the U um, or any other big D1 programs, I think would be more challenging now yeah. than it was then, or at least for me. But uh, Coach Witt and the coaching program, or this University of Utah in general, you, I mean, from the year 2000 until now, they have a pretty long pedigree of guys that had had come on as walk-ons and ultimately ultimately earned themselves scholarships. So I had seen examples of that prior to even yeah. transferring to the U. So I was, I was pretty confident in that position to be able to ultimately make that decision to go on the walk-ons. So you go on to um, have a pretty successful career, all conference honors, but the, probably the highlight has to be that Sugar Bowl, right? The 2008. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cool thing about Alabama is that ever since we won that game, they've made it that much more unbelievable ever since then. So, <laughs> yeah, they have. They've I mean, become a like pretty, a pro team was, now. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it was a good win back then, but you know, ever since then, I think they've won five or six national championships. Yeah. You know, people, people don't believe that Alabama ever lost to Utah. <laughs> so yeah, that that was definitely uh, a highlight of my career. What was that like? I mean, take us back to that time. I mean, when Utah's still trying, you're still you're not in the, the Utah's not in the Pac-12 at the time. They're fighting for relevance. What was it like to be on that team? Oh yeah, I mean, being on the team, you know, it was awesome. I think you know the really cool thing about that year is just you know really special. 
But, you know, heading into that season, we put a goal sheet that we reviewed each week um, heading into every game. Mm-hmm. And we made a set of a list of goals uh, going into that season that were just something that I can remember off the top of my head were, you know, win the Mountain West Conference, win our, win our rivalry games, win, make it to the, you know, BCS Bowl. Uh, no off-field issues. Just there was a there was like a list of ten or eleven goals that we had had put out there, and each week we just had we we achieved those goals. And you know, obviously it was a special season, but you know, for somebody that's you know goal setting and everything like that, and and to have be able to check off you know everything on your list for that year was really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and then playing against Alabama, you know, getting the opportunity to play against a, a storied program like Alabama on on the biggest stage, it was just awesome because I I remember talking to you know fans and, and close family friends that were just you know they didn't they didn't really give us a shot, but they were going to come and support us and just you know have fun in New Orleans and they're just like hey you just get yeah. it close for us. <laughs> Even we're your family didn't think you would win. win, right? Yeah, we're like we're not expecting to win, but you know just keep it close, like good luck. And <laughs> and it was funny because from a defensive perspective, I mean we were. You know, watched film together, and we felt like we really matched up really well against them. We were we were really confident going into that game of how we would match up against them defensively. But our offense was kind of a question mark uh, going into that game because they had you know all Americans, they had a really good defense too, and so we kind of felt like it was going to be a dogfight, and you know come down to the last play that you know we you know hopefully we we were in position to get a win but uh you know brian johnson and the offense came out firing on all cin- cylinders and you know got got or got those 21 points really quick and and uh the rest of we yeah we, we just we kept them in check the whole game and it's you know it's uh, you know i i probably rewatched that game <laughs> 10 20 30 times and <laughs> yeah. it never gets old yeah it never gets old very cool well thank you so much for joining us really appreciate it um it's been really yeah, fun bet. catching up with you Take care. All right. Always good to catch up with Mike Wright. Amy, how are you able to track him down? Actually, Manny Hendricks, uh, also a BYU, or a BYU, a Utah legend. <laughs> Sorry, are you trying Manny. to start fights here? <laughs> uh, also a Utah legend. He helped me track him down. Good. Well, assist to Manny, and thank you again, Mike. And thank you, listeners, for tuning into the podcast. Just a reminder, you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts like this are found, and subscribe. Go to DesretNews.com. Again, uh, thank you for joining us, Amy. Any, any parting shots before the Pac-12 championship game? You're going to be making the trip. I am. My first uh, my first road trip, so I hope it's an exciting game. Trent, yeah. what are your final thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I might have picked Washington, but hopefully Utah puts up a fight. Wouldn't it be cool if the Utah Utes went to the Rose Bowl? It's yeah. hard to even imagine they're 60 minutes away from doing so. Yeah. Again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.